In the holy name of Jesus, amen. If you look at everything that you face in life, there are several hard things that you know you have to do. I'm not going to list them here today, but I'm sure there are those things that come around in life that you look at and you say, I do not want to do this. I don't think I can do this. I will not do this. This is incredibly hard, and yet you know that you're supposed to do those, do those things. In the Christian life, there are those things as well. If I was to ask you what are the hardest things that God asks of you as a Christian, you might say, well, it's difficult to pray. It's difficult to be dedicated to studying the scriptures. It's difficult to sit maybe and love my neighbor who annoys me or whoever else has done something against me. It's really difficult to be a Christian because it seems to go countercultural against the grain of the world. In all of this, worldly and in terms of Christianity, there is one thing that is the hardest thing for you and for me to do. And that is to forgive one another. I don't care what you might say in terms of an argument against that. I think I know you well enough. You should know me well enough. It is incredibly hard to forgive each other. Left to yourself, left to myself, you won't do it. Why? You heard it today in the commandments from Exodus chapter 20. We don't like the law. The law is given to us as God's rules, as God's curb of keeping us from sin, as God's mirror to say, yes, you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what is the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. God's whole desire for you and for me is to be slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. His whole desire is to forgive and restore you into the relationship you once had. And yet, in our inability to forgive one another, you become God, and so do I. And there's one element in all of this that Jesus talks about here today, one single word, one little element that drives all of that division between God and you and me. Anger. Anger. You've all had it. You've all experienced it from others. Anger, like maybe anger you've never seen in your life or ever received. Anger that seems to continually ramp up each and every day that we are given in this broken and sinful world. Now, we don't like to think of God as being angry or wrathful complaining about you or me, disgusted with what I have done. But yet it's okay for you and for me to feel that way. See, that's the problem today that we have with the law. The law says that the DNA, the very foundation of sin, is the inability to love one another and to love God and it is all fueled by anger. 
Think about it today. Anger is the new virtue. Virtues used to be something that you would want to live by, something good, something moral. Anger today is the virtue that so many have. If you're angry with somebody, cancel them. Cancel them and who they are and what they've done or said. Cancel anybody you can disagree with or that you can become angry with. Don't talk to them. Don't have a discussion. Don't even have a healthy debate. And the longer that we live in this world today, the anger becomes more deep-seated. Maybe like you have never experienced in your life before. Maybe you have never felt this angry before. And it's, it's angry over even the smallest things. My phone doesn't have good reception, even though it's going to space or wherever it goes. The plane was 20 minutes late. We got in a half hour late, even though you sat in a chair in the sky and went 500 miles an hour. This food is cold. My fries are not warm, even though we have food coming out of our ears. And we get angry about this stuff. And then you think about the things that you really get angry about, the big things, and everybody can just go to hell. Jesus' words today are sharp and they are pointed. Your anger and my anger is as bad as murder. He says, are you going to say to somebody, he uses an Aramaic term, raka, which means you empty-headed fool. Are you going to call them a moron? Mock them, treat them like some sort of brainless idiot, a subhuman, someone who doesn't deserve your time, your respect, your love, or even your forgiveness. He says, your anger is as bad as murder. And think about it. What did I just say? What did Jesus say? Your anger is as bad as murder. And guess what? I'm probably going to get canceled for that. He says, because I'm angry that I'm a murderer. I don't see that. <laughs> yeah, that's what Jesus says today. Look at the person you're angry with. Think about this. Look at the person you're angry with. Is this somebody who God has created in his image? Yes. Is this somebody that God has ordained to receive breath and life? Yes. God is the author of all creation. Nobody that exists has been created apart from God. Is this person somebody who Jesus has died for? He died for the whole world. God so loved the world, every last one of us, even though there are those who say, get lost, Jesus, I don't need your cross, your resurrection, or your forgiveness. He died for them just as he died for you. Can you see somebody, maybe even in here, as a fellow baptized, child of God, a family member, not just another number? And maybe you're angry enough with them that you can't even see the connection that they have to Jesus' death and his resurrection that like you and me rejoice in. 
Can you see this person as one that Jesus has loved and forgiven? Now today is not a time to sit here today and say that Jesus is somehow going to empower you to go on living this life from this day forward and never be angry. That's not going to happen. He addresses the sin that we fully know and that consumes us. You fully know and understand anger, and so do I. You get angry. I get angry, and we hold on to it so firmly. I love what somebody said in a recent conversation. Brilliant little statement. We often don't want to find a solution to our problems or our frustrations because that would be taking away something that I could be angry about or complain. Maybe that should be on a needle point, huh? When it comes to anger, Jesus says, do you want a solution or not? If there is a solution to be found, only Jesus can do that. That's what he is saying here today. There is nothing more important in your life than that baptismal font. As Paul says today in Romans 6, we were buried with him and risen with him so that we could walk in the newness of life, in the newness of Jesus. And in that newness, there is reconciliation, there is forgiveness. That baptismal font, that forgiveness, that love in you, and that love and that forgiveness that you give to one another truly shows that you are disciples who belong to Jesus. And the refusal to forgive, the refusal to be reconciled is a sign that you no longer belong to Jesus and neither do I. Plain and simple. This is why we pray. Forgive us our trespasses. Please, please do this. I'm so sorry, God. Do not be wrathful and angry with me. And as you do this, empower me, restore me, cleanse me so that I can do the hardest thing in the entire world so that we may forgive those who trespass against us. But my anger, Pastor, it's justified. Actually kind of feels good. But in the end, it's disastrous. And this goes for everyone. But this is what Jesus is saying here today. The solution is even about what you can do. In your baptism, when God has called you as his son or daughter, you now are not your own. You now are not the old sinful creation. You are 
walking in the newness of life. You belong to Christ and you have become a child of light. But that's why we always, always talk about that you live out your baptism daily, confessing your sins, receiving Christ's forgiveness, and doing the same with one another. As Paul says to you and to me, put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through your deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He also says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You, the baptized, gather here today to celebrate and receive the forgiveness of sins that Jesus won for you by his death and resurrection. But we also, by faith and by the strength of the Holy Spirit, tamp down our sinful nature and as hard as it is, we celebrate the forgiveness of your brothers and your sisters even when you or I won't forgive. That's the final warning here today. The forgiveness that you give each other is not your own. It's never your own. Left by yourself, you don't know that, you don't want that, and you certainly don't want that for each other. God has given you that forgiveness. Your cup runs over, and that running over of his forgiveness flows into the laps and the lives of each other. But for you and for me to not forgive is a very dangerous thing. Because what you are saying to God is, is, I thank you so much for receiving this. But then God looks at you and for me and says, be careful. Otherwise, you will be thrown into prison and you will never get out. How dare you not forgive your brother or your sister? This is why there is such a beautiful time in the service. We did it last weekend. Going to do it next weekend. Every weekend. We confess our sins we've committed against God and one another. And as Jesus says here even today, seek out your brother or your sister. Be reconciled with them. Because God in Christ Jesus has been reconciled with you. And when somebody approaches you to be forgiven or you forgive, don't be surprised. That's really what we're here about. That's why we go so much against the counterculture of this world. You speak to one another in truth and in love. And in that way, you have regained your brother or your sister. But it's so hard, Pastor. It's the hardest thing that we have to do. And that's why we need Jesus and why we need God's word on our lips each and every day. You're going to sing it right before, the, uh, right before the Eucharist. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with the willing spirit. Now you might sit there and say, yeah, please do this for me, God. Please do this for me. And it is about you and your personal restoration, but also the clean heart and the renewal of a right spirit and of upholding a willingness spirit is also given for you and for me so that that forgiveness would flow to your neighbor. Don't cast your presence from me. Don't, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, not only for me, but for my neighbor. And even when I don't want to do that, Uphold me with a willing spirit. It is now no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We love because he first loved us. We forgive because he first has given forgiveness to us. There's no limit to Jesus' forgiveness. It's abundant and overflowing. The sins that you and I commit the anger that we release, the insults that we cannot undo, what has been done on the cross has been done for you and for me. Christ took all of the sin, all of the anger of the whole world onto himself. He didn't throw it away like garbage. He absorbed it into himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us. All of your anger, all of your rage, all of your shame and guilt, all of your sins is forgiven by him today and it has been given to you in that font and on this altar and in the words I forgive you that Jesus speaks to you today we were buried therefore with him by baptism in the death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father we too might walk in the newness of life Confessing our sins is directly connected to our baptism and the newness of life you receive every day. But pastor, I just can't forgive. I won't forgive. And those words are very frightening. And maybe somebody has truly hurt you. Maybe somebody has hurt you physically, mentally, emotionally. Maybe those sins are so incredibly hard to forget. But I would say when we sit there and say, I can't forgive, I won't forgive, we're not necessarily denying that we want forgiveness. We're confessing those things as well. But even if your brother, your sister doesn't confess their sinfulness against you, keep this one thought in mind. When you hear the words in absolution, I forgive you all of your sins, Jesus is not only saying to you, I forgive you what you've done against me and against God, or against your neighbor, I take those sins away. I am also taking away the sins that have been done against you. 
Even though that person doesn't repent, even though that person doesn't want reconciliation or restoration, God does not forgive you of your sins and then say the terrible tragedies, thoughts, words that people have it against you. You're just going to have to deal with that. He says, no, give that to me as well. Give it to me so that I will make you fully clean and whole. Forgiven of your sins and let me take away those things that have been done against you. If they do not confess, if they do not look for reconciliation, they will have to deal with Jesus, not you. The forgiveness of everything leads us to the grave of Jesus, the empty tomb where Jesus left all of your sins. Confess your sins. Release the anger on the Christ. Luther says it very well. Confess your sins and be done with them already. Stop holding on to the reasons to remain angry and divided from each other. Jesus forgives you. He wants your sin. He wants your abuse of the law, abuse of God and each other. He even wants your anger and he says, you can't have it. It's mine. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.